The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Good evening, everyone. Can you hear me out there on Zoom and uh, in the physical Zendo? You guys can hear me? I see you out there. Uh, my name is Musho. I'm a senior student with the Village Zendo. And I'm also the leader of the Catskill Zen Circle, um, our own little sitting group that we have up here in Catskill, New York, where I live. Uh, it's cold and blustery in Catskill, but that's okay. You know, it's March. That's what it's like. Uh, I've, I'm aware that it's newcomers night, and I always have something to say to the newcomers. Are there any newcomers? Um, in the Zendo tonight? Oh, great. Welcome to our welcome to our group. Let me see. Anybody online? Newcomers online? All right. Well, at least there's at least one I could see here. So um, I'll explain that um, we're in the middle of our urban session here at the Zendo, and we do it every year. And it's kind of like a meditation retreat, except instead of meditating all day, we have workshops. And the workshops are usually run by one of the senior students. Um, it's kind of an initiation uh, for a senior student, a way to learn how to lead the Sangha. Uh, but this year, um, the Sangha is leading the Sangha, which is very interesting. And um, we have three of our students uh, who are writers at uh, giving workshops this week. And then we're even going to have our, our, our monthly Zazenkai plus the um, Shuso Hosen ceremony, except the Shuso is going to be the Sangha. So that'll be interesting on Sunday. Uh, and it'll be a great way for the newcomers um, uh, to get to know um, some of the people who make the village Zendo um, the fantastic place that it is. Uh, today, I participated in the um, lecture, uh, or the uh, it was really a workshop. We all had to do writing, a writing workshop. And uh, it was led by brilliant Seriu Wilkinson. And Seriu is a horticulturist, and, and now he's a, a teacher at UC San Diego. And he's a person who has a very intimate outlook on the environment and... Um, an intimate outlook on all sentient beings. And he's someone who gets his nose right up into the flowers, as he said today uh, about his experience. Uh, and it was really, really interesting. Um, the wisdom that, that uh, Sarah you shared with us today uh, was a look at the world of sentient beings and insentient beings through the filter of friendship. I was really surprised. I was, I was expecting kind of a talk on um, some kind of environmentalism, but it was much more Zen because it was about friendship and a really unusual way of looking at our natural world, um, not just as trees and flowers and oceans and mountains and cities and streets, um, but uh, our relationships and our friendships uh, with all those things and each other. It was really great. 
I think what we're trying to do here is to not be separated from the environment. We're not separate from the birds and the bugs and the bears. We're not separate from the flowers in the air and the sun. For example, the Hudson River, it seems to be over there somewhere. In Catskill, it's down at the end of Main Street. Um, and it seems to be over there. And it seems like we're here doing our thing. In, I'm here in Catskill. You guys are in the city or wherever you are out in Zoom land. And you seem to be doing your thing. And it seems to be separate from the Hudson River. But that's really only a superficial way of looking at it. I think the Zen Dharma is asking us to realize that what happens to the Hudson River is also happening to you. What happens to the Hudson River um, is happening to all of us. And what happens to all of us is happening to the Hudson River. We're really, we're all together um, bound to the Hudson River and uh, along with the great earth and, and all beings. We're, we're all together with those things. In, uh, in Sirius way of looking at it, we're, we're friends actually with the Hudson River. And uh, if we take care of it, it's friends with us too. Because if you believe that you're separate from the Hudson River, um, you're dealing with a very common but dangerous thought. Because ne to neglect the river is really like neglecting your own health. So in that way, we're, we're swimming with the Hudson River. We're swimming in the Hudson River right now uh, because the Hudson River and our own health um, are not separate. Now, I found a very interesting little bit of commentary, and I'm not sure how this really lines up, but I'm going to take a try at this, uh, in one of the koan collections. And for the newcomers, koans are these um, rather bizarre Chinese stories that we study here at the Zendo sometimes. If you're unlucky, you will be studying koans. Um, and this is a part of the commentary. The, uh, each one of these stories in these books has an introduction, and then there's a koan, which is this little story. And then there are these commentaries. And in the commentary was kind of a synopsis of the actual koan. This is a little too complicated to explain, but anyway, I was really struck by this little mini koan that was within this larger um, story. Uh, and it's from case 28 uh, in the Book of Serenity, and it's called, Who Glows Three Embarrassments? Uh, but this, as I said, is from the commentary. Um, so I'm gonna go for it here. Uh, a monk asked Master Hu Guo, when mind and things are both forgotten, what then? Hu Guo said, you don't wash your face. The monk said, how about when the moonlight falls onto the, gold, the cold pond? How about when the moonlight falls onto the cold pond? Hu Guo said, you don't wash your face. The monk said, how is it when light and objects are both forgotten? Hu Guo said, you don't wash your face. Uh, that's the story. And uh, in one way, um, this story is about not being caught up in the different ideals um, in our Zen practice, in any spiritual practice. 
to not be caught up in it. Um, because spirituality and philosophy and art and um, all kinds of knowledge that you learn and careers and all kinds of things, are, it's all wonderful. And the news and things that you can learn, there's so much wisdom to be had in this world. But if we lock on to those ideas and we, we become over-serious and uh, over-connected, then all the wisdom can go to waste. And that's because we lose track of what's happening right now. So Master Hugo, Hugo is asking the monk to get real. And when he says, wash your face, I think he's talking about paying attention to our actions. As a society, we very seldom follow Hu Guo's suggestion and wash our face. We forget to wash our collective face. And what a mess we've made. We separate ourselves from each other and the oceans and the owls. And then we proceed to use up every resource and create mountains of trash and fill the air with exhaust. Uh, here in Catskill, we have what's called the transfer station, usually referred to as the dump. And uh, I like to bring my, my trash there myself. You can have, you could hire a company to do it here. It's, there's no city trash collection service. So uh, I go over there and I'm really glad I do because I get to see everything that the little town of Catskill throws away. And it's basically um, four dumpsters or five, three of recycling and two of just straight ahead garbage that gets hauled away just from our tiny town. It's, uh, it's very interesting to see and to understand. With all that garbage just coming from this tiny town and all of it coming from every other town and city and village in this world. I think it's very arrogant to call the natural world the environment, as if the environment is over there, somewhere beyond the dumpsters. When, uh, when media reports on the environment, like when they show it in magazines, um, there's always a picture of like a serene forest or, or a sea teeming with mackerel, you know, shiny fish as the sunlight um, glimmers there. Um, but really, really they should show a photo of um, the average kitchen sink loaded with dishes or maybe a dull looking gas station on a suburban road or, or the Catskill transfer station because that's the environment we're really talking about here. In a mischievous Zen way, you can also say there's no environment because if you call it the environment, then you've already separated from it. If you tell Master Hugo, Hugo that you care deeply about the environment, he's gonna say, you don't wash your face. So what about me, Musho, here, now giving you a lecture on oneness with the environment? It's actually a disgrace. As it says in the intro to Case 28, 
Is there anywhere to hide disgrace? I don't think so. I'm burning fossil fuels right now. I mean, I live in a three-story house and we're heating it with natural gas. And uh, where my studio is, I'm an artist and I have another space to work in. There, there's a oil burning furnace down there that's chugging away. I can't turn it off because the pipes will freeze. Um, I went to the transfer station with a load of stuff the other day. You know, the koans become, you know, I need to heat my home, don't I? I need to drive my car, don't I? I need to throw away used containers my food comes in, don't I? Should I stop doing all those things? That's a deep koan. I think maybe you remember a few years ago, there was kind of a, um, uh, some people who were trying to live their lives in zero waste, kind of a zero waste movement. And there were even kind of zero waste stores that popped up where you could buy containers and uh, food that was in bulk that you could bring your own container. It was, it was lovely. And there were people who were trying to live their lives um, uh, without creating a waste trail at all, like totally zero waste. And while I kind of envied them, I also felt sorry for them too. <laughs> it's hard to do. And I wondered what it accomplished um, besides um, being a role model. Uh, Case 28 also has a warning about this kind of thing. Uh, and it's in the very beginning of the koan. And I also, I just stumbled on this too when I was looking back at this story. And it says, this is the intro. One who doesn't wear even an inch of thread is a truly naked heretic. One who doesn't chew even a grain of rice surely returns to the burnt-faced ghost king. Even being born in a holy situation, you still don't escape the dangerous fall off the pole top. Is there anywhere to hide disgrace? That being the case, in the same way, none of us are ever off the hook from taking responsibility and action for this environment. In the interconnected world that we live in, no one is outside of this environment as it is right now. So the question then becomes, what are we supposed to do? I'm always thinking about this uh, when it comes to my actions. And it's really hard to answer that question. It's easy to feel helpless uh, and lost in it all as we see the misfortunes that um, our habits have ca caused in this world, on this planet, I should say. But fortunately, uh, here at the Zen Temple, uh, our practice has ways to help us um, to learn what we're supposed to do not to tell us what we're supposed to do, but find ways where we can figure out on our own, in our own way, what we're supposed to do. To help us to be the environment and to bind ourselves together with the great earth and all beings. 
there's many ways that Zen and Buddhist teachings can help us learn. And I picked out two to talk to you about tonight, briefly. Um, number one uh, is the four vows. I find the four vows very useful. And um, if you hang around the Zendu at all, you've heard them. Uh, we, we chant them almost every time that we, we get together and uh, sit in meditation. Uh, just briefly, uh, they're going to chant them actually after my talk tonight, but I'll just tell you what they are. Uh, to our newcomer, at least, sentient beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Desires are inexhaustible. I vow to put an end to them. The dharmas are boundless, and I vow to master them. The Buddha way is unattainable, and I vow to attain it. It's a project. It's really a project that's difficult to do. And actually, it says right in the four vows that it's impossible. It's impossible to accomplish. But it's this wonderful challenge, and for me, a kind of motivation. When I'm wondering, when I'm wondering what I'm doing in my life, you know, I'm an artist, and I, I have to make my way all the time uh, in some, in some, somehow. Uh, and I would wonder, why am I doing this, and what is it for? I kind of rely on the four vows now. I'm, I'm vowing to save all sentient beings. I'm, I'm doing these things to put an end to my desire. And I'm, I'm trying to master a, a boundless dharma and attain the Buddha way, which no one can do. It's weird, but it's helpful. And... Uh, I'm glad I have that uh, to find my own way as an artist and as a human being, really. Um, the second one is, of course, meditation. You know, we do a lot of meditation here. Uh, and one of the reasons we do that, and we do it over and over again, uh, is to connect with ourselves. And the more you connect with yourself, the more you start seeing how connected you are to other things, other people, and the past, and your thoughts about the future, and of course, what's happening right now, in the room, wherever you are. You start being a little more aware of these things, And as you do it over and over again, something happens and nothing happens. Every time you do meditation, it's the same and different. It's hard to do. And I'll give you a hint. Nobody ever really gets the hang of it. <laughs> That's why it's so mysterious and beautiful. Uh, once at the beginning of a Dharma talk, um, Shinryu Roshi I think it was Shinryu Sensei at the time. He told the congregation, raise your hand if you're new to Zen. Of course, I didn't raise my hand because I thought I knew something about it. But it turned out to be a trick question because everyone is new to Zen. <laughs> every, every hour, every day of meditation is different and every hour and every minute. And when you start to realize every second is different from every other second, um, 
I think something changes into you. Uh, finally, I want to men mention um, what we were talking about today at Urban Session. And, and one of the things that Urban Session is really together, and it's about our Sangha, our group. Uh, we do Zazen together. We sit in a room and do nothing together. But it's not really nothing because we're together. <laughs> That's the cool thing about it. We're doing Zazen together. And it's so important. Just together is important. We need to be together to accomplish the four vows and become together with the great earth and all beings. So I've written a little poem to close, as I like to do. And uh, here's my little cone about today. It's kind of a recap of my talk in a weird way. It's called The Sangha is in Charge. The Sangha is in charge with all their wisdom and disgrace. The environment disappears and the gas station comes into focus. Standing on top of the 100-foot pole, the ghost king waits below. I'm helpless and afraid. Sunlight pours through the tranquil forest as the mackerel flash in the silver waves. Sitting in meditation, mind and things, light and objects may be forgotten. But when you get up, don't forget to wash your face. Thank you all for listening. And thank you for being here. I appreciate it deeply.